You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC Sports. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear. Welcome to another edition of the Inside Carolina Podcast. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley. We are sponsored by Johnny T-Shirt and JohnnyTShirt.com. I've got Jason Staples and Buck Sanders. There is still hope for us. This is the day after podcast. First one in quite a while. Last one in quite a while, but as we always do, we're going to go to general thoughts on the ball game. Of course, Carolina spring game yesterday. Carolina won. Buck Sanders, your overall thoughts observing. There's not a lot to take away, really, I don't think, from the spring game so much because they were mixing and matching people so much. Um, the ones were going against the twos offensively and defensively. So very hard to get a real feel for things in that scenario. If the uh, one offense was going against the one defense, it would have been a little different. Um, but overall, I think my overall thought was uh, you're seeing the future of UNC football out there. Um, a lot of those young guys are just make your eyes pop. Um, and Power Eccles and Raw Raw Dilworth. I mean, Mac Brown was talking about trying to find some depth in the inside linebacker positions going into spring. I think he's found that now. And, found it. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, complimenting, complimenting that is, um, you know, the strength they have on the defensive line that makes those linebackers even more effective. I think Eugene Asante could be a first team, all ACC linebacker this year. Uh, I think he'll, he'll have a monster season. Uh, he'll have better opportunities to, at that position because he's got such strength in front of him uh, on that defensive line. So it's going to be very interesting. I know the running back situation is still in flux. I'm like Tommy. I think the wide receiver situation is going to work itself out. So um, I, I think that's maybe the, maybe the basic takeaways, but I, I wouldn't – I'd caution everybody not to read way too much into the – spring game except they came out of it without any injuries there's the number one thing that you know, you have a, a full spring and you don't suffer any major setbacks injury wise and especially on the spring game when they're going to the ground the first time and before i forget take a chance to rate us review us and subscribe or follow on your podcast app and on the youtube channel of course this one will be up on youtube soon after we record and of course there's always those live shows on tuesday nights with the on the beat crew uh, jason you know similar question that i asked buck uh, and buck hit on my thoughts there wide receivers they'll be fine in fact when we have our big predictions bold predictions at the end of the show i'm gonna have one for that position group um, but what'd you see overall that caught your eye yesterday well they're going to be a whole lot better up front with a quickness in terms of defense so uh, the, the, I spent a lot of time watching the line of scrimmage because that's, that's really where the improvement needs to come this year. I mean, I, I'm with you guys in terms of the receivers. I mean, there's enough talent in the receiver room that, and, and you've got Sam Howell. So, I mean, that, that's going to, that's going to, that's going to take care of itself, especially once you get Choffrey and, uh, and uh, uh, Bo Corrales back those, those two, I mean, Bo's going to make a big difference out there and, you know, Choffrey's proven what he can do in terms of his speed and being able to change, the, change the game. So, I mean, they're going to be fine there. Uh, but I, I saw a couple of those young guys on the defensive line. They showed up uh, as you would hope. I mean, Ritzy in particular, Javari Ritzy, just he was a guy that I watched him on a few plays where it was like, oh, wow, he's going to be a problem quick. That guy is going to be a problem for teams quickly. Uh, and Silver as well. You could see you could see a lot of the talent. Now, it was obvious that those guys still haven't made the transition from high school to college in terms of understanding the level of intensity that you need to play with 
and the, you know, even things like pursuit, there's some times where I could see, uh, you know, the ball goes to the other side of the defensive line or whatever. And I didn't see the, the kind of effort in pursuit that you expect from guys on a, on a top tier defense in, you know, power five college football. I saw like, okay, that's, he's still work. They're still working the high school out of their system on some of this stuff, but there were, there, there was a sequence in the, I don't think it was about the fourth drive or so, maybe fifth drive where Ritzy had two or three plays in a row where it was like, I don't know that they had any defensive linemen on the roster. that could do any of that last year. Mm-hmm. And, it was like, <laughs> and he did that against the starting, the starting offensive line. So I tell you who took a big step forward, miles Murphy. Yeah. Yeah. Also. Yes, definitely. And so he you know, took a big step forward from last year. I thought just, yeah, just you, the way he played. And, and Collins as well. I mean, the, the, there were, there were probably five or six guys up front where it was like, well, that's better than anything they had at that spot last year. And just the, just the ability to get through two or three, uh, a depth of two or three guys at a couple of those spots that they're going to have this year. Now, like I said, some of these guys are still working their way out of high school, so you can't expect greatness right away. But I do expect that you're going to see Ritzy be a problem by mid-year. He's going to be getting into the rotation and be and, and causing some problems for teams at that point. Silver could be late in the year. He could be next year. But you're looking at guys that by the time they're sophomores and juniors, I expect that they're, you know, they're the kinds of players on the defensive line that you've seen south of the border. You know, Pedro would be proud of some of these guys. So uh, for those of you who know I-95, but uh, but yeah, this is. That was the, that was one thing that stood out to me the most. And yeah, I, I agree in terms of the the inside linebackers. I was I was really happy with what I saw there. Another thing that I did notice is I think they they still lack some depth in the secondary. They need they need their their ones to stay healthy in the secondary. You could see the difference between the ones and the twos. The ones looked really good, and they got a chance to be a really really good secondary if those guys can stay healthy. But they can't afford a rash of injuries in the secondary. And they got it. They've got to be healthier than they were last year. So those were the things that stood out the most to me. Uh, I think they've got a really good chance to be to be what 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 they what we all hoped they would they would be coming into this year, though. Yeah, for me, watching the the defensive line, and we've talked about it a ton. And I'll freely admit, I doubt we talk much about the offense in this, other than the running backs and maybe the backup quarterback, but. you know, the Buck, the defensive line, he mentioned Ritzy, Miles Murphy, um, and then you've got Vahasek, and you've got guys there. I was hoping to see um, Jaleel Taylor step up today, and he made a couple plays, but my goodness, um, you and I have followed this, and Jason has it as well, for a long, long time. And it is amazing to me that the, the, where the level of talent has gone since Mac walked in the door. I mean, the level of talent in that position alone is ridiculous compared to what it was three years ago. And I think for me, that is the that is the wow factor watching this team. But your thoughts on that? Absolutely, Tommy. You know, watching those guys on the defensive line several years ago and actually very recently, you could look at the defensive line in the spring and – you, you, if you ask yourself the question, which of these guys uh, has the potential to get to the NFL, you're counting, you're not using very many fingers to do that, you know? <laughs> um, so, but you look at this defensive line, I mean, you can see five, six of those guys playing on Sundays, maybe, and that's just on the defensive line. Um, and, and, you know, one thing we didn't hear much about, uh, even though uh, there is some depth issues that uh, Jason talked about, uh, 
Did you hear Tony Grimes' name called at all yesterday? He did get cooked in uh, seven on seven. Seven on seven. And that's but, what I misquoted on the message board that somebody pointed out immediately. But other than but, in, in real game action, no. No. And, and you're not going to hear his name a lot next year, probably. And if you do, that'll be a bad thing. But, um, you know, and I didn't hear Kyler McMichael's name called either. Uh, and Storm Duck sitting over there on the sidelines, chilling out, uh, you know, and the number of guys that were out, uh, just amazing. But one thing I wanted to, uh, question I wanted to ask Jason and you, Tommy, past two years and for good reason, I, and I get that there are reasons, uh, Jay Bateman didn't do a lot of substituting on the defensive line. Very little, uh, Aaron Crawford and Jason Straw, uh, played like 95% of the snaps. And even last year when they had, uh, miles Murphy available, Clyde Pender available. Now those guys missed the spring. They missed a lot of conditioning. So, and they're big guys. They need that, but they didn't get any run until towards the end of the season. And, and Jason and Tommy, I want to hear from you guys. Is this the year where we're going to see the starters on a defensive line get 35, 40 snaps instead of 65, 70 snaps? Uh, that, that, that's what I'd like to, that's what I'm going to be interested in looking at this fall. By mid-year, I would say the answer to that question is going to be yes. Because, I mean, here's, here's something interesting to look at. At different points in the running game, the two defensive line gave the one offensive line more trouble than the one defensive line gave the two offensive line. Definitely. There were more holes for the second group at times. And you go, well, what? Why is that? I mean, why? But now, granted, again, not all of the ones were playing. I mean, you didn't have Tamari, uh, uh, Tamon Fox out there. You didn't have, you know, so there, there, were, there were some guys that, that will add to that already. But when you're starting to see like, okay, they can put those guys in and they're not just getting gashed up front. Then, then you feel better as a defensive coordinator saying, I can stick that guy out there. Now, there were some mistakes and fits and things that did lead to some stuff later in the scrimmage. But... Again, I think by mid-year, you're going to be looking at a rotation where you're, like you said, you know, 35, 40 snaps will be what you're, what you're seeing guys like, uh, you know, Tamari Fox and, uh, and Vohasek and some of these other guys. Those guys are going to be getting their reps cut pretty significantly and not because they're not good, not because they're not playing well, but because now they can stay fresh, which the thing, the thing that people forget is when you, when you only play 40 snaps, yeah, yeah, you want to be out there and all that. But here's the thing. You can be a lot more disruptive in the 40 snaps that you're out there than you were in the 70 snaps that you're playing because you, you know when you're going you know to be playing 70 snaps, you have to play like you're playing 70 snaps. When you know you're going to play 40 you can go out there for the three or four snaps in a row that you're playing and absolutely kill yourself. And then, you know, you're going to get a second to not hurt the team. So I, I think you're going to see that by mid year, there's still some development with a couple of the young guys, but just like, I mean, Buck, you were right. Bringing up miles Murphy. Uh, you know, I, I saw some good things from, uh, from Cayman Rucker in particular. I mean, th there's some guys out there that, that, that were out there last year that showed progression that says, yeah, that guy's going to play, you know, close to equal reps already. And then you look at the Ritzy and Silver, you know, the newcomers, and those guys are going to be pushing on the door by mid-year also. So, I mean, it's going to be a real thing pretty quickly. But that's the thing I mentioned I think maybe on one of the on the beat podcasts, it's it, the debate was always is player a better at 75% than player B is at a hundred. 
and they always had to make that choice. Those days are over, I think, and especially like Jason says, once we get to mid-year, I mean, and I reference it all the time, the Clemson defensive line two years ago played half the number of snaps on the season than Carolina's defensive line players. And that's where this team is trending, at least I think so. And and like you said, Jason, if you can go all out for four straight snaps, three straight snaps, and then get some rest, it's better than just sort of going through the motions for 30 of your 70 snaps. So, yeah. And then you turn in and, and what I, the two guys I want to talk about or four guys I want to talk about with you and Buck, I'll, I'll come back to you too, is I thought seven and eight were really good yesterday. But, man, 23 and 11, they're smaller than I thought they were. They look smaller, and they need to gain some weight. But Dilworth and Power Eccles, that's not a bad pair to be backing up uh, 7 and 8 and 44 when he's out there. You know, as small as Dilworth is, and he he does have to get bigger, I think Power Eccles is about where uh, Bateman would like to have him. I mean – the days of a uh, six foot one, two hundred and fifty pound linebacker are over. Uh, he's not looking for uh, Dick Buckus out there, you know those those kinds of guys. Uh, he's looking for guys built about like Eugene Asante. Uh, Asante probably only weighs about two fifteen, maybe on you know if he's eating a heavy meal, maybe, but. Um, you know, he's got speed and he knows where to go. He's strong at the, you know, when he gets there, those kinds of things are what Bateman's looking for. And so I think Eccles is, I mean, he, he'll gain some weight and get a little bigger during his tenure. Almost all of them do, but, uh, he's not far off from where Bateman would want him to be. Now, Dilworth has got some, uh, room to grow, but. The thing about Dilworth was as small as he is, he lived in the backfield. I mean, he was getting into backfield, like on a huge number of snaps. He might not always make the tackle, but he was back there. And, uh, if you only weigh, you know, a hundred pounds and you can tackle somebody, I don't care, you know, get in the backfield and tackle somebody. Um, so you know, he, he's going to be such an interesting player to follow over these next several years in terms of his growth and development. And he's already a scary player. I mean, you, you saw that yesterday. So uh, we'll see. But, you know, I thought even, and Tommy foretold this on uh, IC Live yesterday that Kadri Jackson flashed a little bit. Um, Cedric Grave flashed a little bit. I mean, there's more than uh, power and rah-rah back there, but those guys are really exciting to watch. Uh, it's unbelievable in a lot of ways. And that's why I was talking about earlier, we're really seeing the future of this program. I think Gimmel plays a lot. Asante, I already thought, you know, he's going to play a ton. Uh, those guys are going to have time, which is – what you want, isn't it? You, you want your young guys coming in that are loaded with talent to have the time to learn their position, learn all their reads, get a little bigger and stronger before they get thrown into fire. And, and they've got that luxury with linebackers and defensive line that they don't have to rush these guys. You know, they can take their time, make sure they get all the information they need to have more conditioning, more nutrition, all of those kinds of things. So, you know, it's an ideal situation in that front Southern, uh, headed into 2021, Tommy. And, and one of the other things when you've got back linebackers, like they, like they have the, these young guys, Eccles and, and, uh, and Rara are going to be, really really good players on special teams this year and and you the thing that 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 you gotta you gotta remember is that your backup defensive backs and linebackers and to a lesser extent edge edge players that's where you get a lot of your special teams players and so if you don't have depth in those areas you're not going to be as good on special teams 
And so, but when you've got, when you can go three deep on your inside linebackers with guys that can play that are actually decent players and certainly that have, you know, outstanding athleticism from the young guys, then all of a sudden your special teams take a big leap just because those guys, first of all, they're, they're super athletic. And then second of all, they're hungry because when they get out there, they want to do something. They're not playing as much as they're used to because they're stud players in high school and all that. And generally speaking, you don't rotate your linebackers a bunch. You just don't. And because, I mean, it's sort of like rotating quarterback (laughs) to some degree, you don't take those guys off the field a bunch, but those guys are going to be, terrors on special teams there's a few of these guys that are going to be really good special teams players and that stood out and you know hopefully you know you you expect that this team's going to have some leads in the fourth quarter and that's when those guys get a lot of those reps and 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 prepare for uh for next year but yeah you're right you saw a lot of the future out there especially with some of the guys that were held out and that uh that future looks really good one, one thing i will say tommy i'm gonna i'm gonna head you off here one thing i will say that i was disappointed in was the I'm still I'm, I'm pretty disappointed in the overall conditioning of the right side of the offensive line. I, I felt like those guys still they came in into this game, each of them needing to drop at least, you know, at least 10 pounds. And they're still sluggish, still slow. And the talent there is just unmistakable. You're talking about two guys that could play in the NFL without a question. But they ain't playing in the NFL in the condition there. And that, that needs to change. They need to have a good summer on the offensive line. Yeah, that's a great point. And, and I was going to go there after the break. And so let's hold that thought for one second. And, and let's get it. <laughs> teaser. Te- yeah, definitely a teaser. Because I, I want to ask is a perfect point about special teams. And Buck and I were nodding throughout that is that this team now has options of putting studs on special teams, which certainly helps. And you covered the – you don't rotate the linebackers a lot. I mean, I still think Gimmel plays um, 80% or more of the snaps, probably more. Um, but when we talk about the secondary, and we've talked about this a lot, you've got Duck, McMichael, and Grimes at corner. So you've got corner locked up. The safety position, and I'll flip-flop it, and I'll start with you, Jason. Uh, Conley is a stud. I don't know if he's a true safety. Maybe he is. Explain to me why he is or why he's not. But when I look at a guy like Dilworth, and I know there's two separate skill sets, but he's similar sized and he is extremely fast. Then we we haven't talked about Trey Morrison, Don Chapman, um, whoever else back there. So where does Carolina need to get stronger in the safety spot? And who are the guys that you saw yesterday and throughout the spring that can make that happen in the fall? Um. So one thing that I'll be interested in is how they deploy those three corners once Storm Duck gets back. Because I'm of the view, particularly in the secondary, when you got three guys that can cover like that, you typically want your best 11 on the field as much as you can. So you don't necessarily pull one of those corners off the field and have them standing next to you you know, for 40 snaps because corners should be able to do it all day. So then you start to go, okay, which of the three corners do you bump inside for when you're doing default stuff? And I mean, that would be my thinking. Now the, the hard part about this is psychologically corners, Corners like to be corners. They like to be the guy outside. And when you ask a guy to bump in and suddenly he has safety next to his name, sometimes those guys get offended. And so you have to massage some feelings with these guys. So I'm curious to see how they handle that. Because to me, you're probably best off with a situation where you've got the th- those three corners on the field along with uh, – with four with uh uh I'm I'm getting I'm getting to be like my old coach where I can't remember names. Um Trey Morrison. <laughs> Trey Morrison. <laughs> <laughs> What's funny is I'll tell you that Matt Brown kept saying sack number seven or sack number eight and my youngest son was like, doesn't he know their names yet? 
Hey, you know, he, he knows their names like when he sees their faces and they're right before him most of the time. But, you know, Coach Bowden used to do this with everybody. I mean, he'd be a scholarship guy that had been there for three years. And he'd be like, oh, how you doing, 83? You know, like, <laughs> okay, uh, well. But so, back to your point. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Morrison, I think, is a guy you got to have out there. Uh, and then those three corners – really strongly consider maybe putting all three on the field at once. At least you want to be able to do it. If you play against a team that, that demands it. And then at that point, if you've got four safeties on the field, then you have Conley as the fourth guy, no problem. Right. Or if you have four, four defensive backs across, you pull one of the corners, you got Conley as the box safety, you know, bigger box safety. You have uh, Morrison as the, field safety, basically the guy that's going to be more coverage oriented. And then you've got the other two corners. But as soon as you go with that five defensive back package, which is they're going to be their default, I think that's where you might want to slide one of those other corners on the field. And now you've got, you know, the three corners, you've got Conley and you've got Morrison. And I think you're really in good shape in the secondary because I still saw at times in this game, they picked on on Don Chapman at times with the slot guys and, and even in the running game a little bit, uh, they, I mean, it's not like they, they don't have talent at some of those spots, but it's not, I'm not sure that those guys are in your best 11 necessarily. So, you know, Cameron Kelly is a guy that can play, but I, I think that other safety is one that's going to be an interesting one when they're in that nickel situation. Cause I think you're right that Conley is more of a box guy than he is a, a true safety. Now, when you're in a, a big personnel situation, you can have him as that, you know, kind of on the boundary side, you can protect him. He, he, he doesn't have to do as much in terms of, you know, real twitchy stuff as a boundary safety and can kind of be a box safety from that spot. But I think, I think that, that, that other guy, it's really the fifth guy. They're going to have to make sure that they, they really identify the two or three guys that they're really comfortable with there. And, and they'll know more once duck gets back and they're, you know, they're playing with a full deck there and they need to be prepared. Okay. What, what, what happens when we don't have a full deck and, you know, let's say Morrison knock on wood, you know, something happens there. What happens if one of the outside corners or something goes on, they're going to need to have somebody there. So I think, figuring out the fifth defensive back, how they're going to set that up with a full deck and then figuring out how they're going to shuffle things. If one of those guys goes down, which DBs don't get hurt a bunch. And it's amazing that the last couple of years they've had that problem, but they need to be prepped for it. And I think they've got the players to do it. I mean, I think Chapman's a, a player. He's a guy that can be a good player, uh, but they've got some guys that can be difference makers. And, and I'm going to be interested to see how they get all those guys on the field at different points, how they shuffle that. Yeah, Buck, it's, 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 you know, we're sitting here talking about how do they get talent on the field when in years past it's been how do they get talent, period. But how you see this defensive backfield shaking out? I mean, I think if there's some angst on the message boards, it's at that safety position. And like I said, I love Conley as a box safety like Jason said, but I'm not sure um, if you've got a team that's going to sling it if he's the guy. But – your thoughts there, Buck, before we finally get to that offensive line talk, Jason wants to go down the road. Um, before Buck does anything, I will say you don't put Ra Ra Dilworth at safety. That's just – that's a no. There it he's, is. He, he's fast enough to do it, but you're taking away what makes him special. He, he's a linebacker, and he, he's, speci- he's potentially special at linebacker. He'd be – you know, he'd be a safety. Okay. That's – look, you got a safety there. Yeah, that's great. But what makes him special is he can run like a safety at linebacker. And now you're stripping away what, what, what separates him. Noted. But Okay. Well, what I would say is, and I'm always one that uh, is looking for new wrinkles uh, in terms of X's and O's, what Bateman might do. And, you know, yesterday before I get to the secondary, he did mix and match three down linemen, two down linemen. He did different things more so than he did on the field last year. It was primarily two down linemen. But in the secondary, um, and again, this is my proclivity to get uh, over my skis schematically, but 
uh, Iowa State plays a, a defense that's uh, what they're referring to these days as an air raid killer. And they use three safeties uh, and, and three, three down linemen, three safeties, three linebackers, and two corners is essentially what they do. Uh, now they'll mix personnel in and give you different looks and so on and so forth. But, uh, when I first heard that, uh, Jacurius Conley was moving to safety and that, uh, Don Chapman was filling in at nickelback. Well, there's your three safeties. Uh, so having three safeties, three, essentially three high safeties, uh, behind those linebackers, uh, studying that, what little research I did on that Iowa state defense, it's, it's very perplexing to quarterbacks that they don't get the hang of that right away. Uh, because if you think about it, when guys are covering into secondary is a lot about man coverage and that, that sort of thing. But it's also where your help is. Where's your help? And these days, quarterbacks are looking for that midpoint between the receiver and the guys that are bracketing him. You may have one guy underneath and one guy over the top of him. So they're looking for that receiver to get in the midpoint of that. And it's harder to find that midpoint. If you've got three safeties back there, they're just closer to the, uh, closer to the action. So I don't know if, uh, Bateman has been studying that Iowa state defense. Uh, I don't know if he's going to think about implementing some of that, uh, schematically. I know, but uh, do you now? Okay. I, I do. I can tell okay, you, go I, for can, it. I can tell you definitively that he, uh, arrived at UNC having studied that, having spent time with the, the Iowa state defensive coordinator, uh, and that, that defensive staff who was and, formerly at army at some point, it, he was a graduate assistant at or, or some sort of coach at army, not where, while Bateman was there. Right. But that uh, is a coaching fraternity. Not, once you've coached for, once you coach there, uh, you know, you're an army guy, but, uh, but he spent time with them and I, I can tell you for a fact that Jay Bateman has a whole Iowa state. You, you could call it that it's not really that in terms of, you know, what they're, you know, how they would refer to it, but it's a whole Iowa state, uh, section of his defensive playbook. They, they haven't been able to show it the last couple of years. Cause they didn't have the personnel for it. They couldn't do it. Now you need three down linemen to do it. Yeah. You need three down Basically. linemen. And you also have to have the depth in the secondary to be able to play five defensive backs comfortably. And I mean, with all the injuries they had, the bigger, the bigger issue is actually in the secondary. They didn't have the, they didn't have the bodies that they could trust back there. And so they're trying to cobble things together, but that's something that, that Bateman you're going to see, you're absolutely going to see some of that package this year, but it's a full package in his defense. And we just haven't seen it because the personnel wasn't there and they'll bring it out against the right, against the right looks against the right team that, you know, shows certain things that that gives problems to and all that. But, you know, it's not their whole, dis it's not their whole system. They're not going to run that as their whole system, but you will see it. They, they do have it. And, and everything that John Heacock has, everything that John Heacock and, and, and Iowa state do Jay Bateman has as a package in his, in his defense, it's, it's an option there. It's available. It's just a matter of whether or not they can do it. So I can tell you well, that uh, that's definitively. Yeah. That's interesting to me. I mean, um, you saw some of it at Army. Yeah. Um, uh, having that sort of package, um, because Iowa state has like four, four-star players on this entire team, you know, and I don't know how many of those are on the defensive side of the ball. But defensively, they can go toe-to-toe -to -toe with anybody. 
uh, and is all based on Heacock's scheme. Uh, now those guys have been in it for a while and know it very well, but, uh, you know, something like that. And when I heard that Chapman was moving to, uh, nickel and Conley was, uh, moving back to safety, that's a different look, uh, just in terms of body composition and skill and all that sort of thing that we've seen in the past, uh, where we might've had, uh, you know, Trey Morrison, as a nickel uh, or, um, you know, even when, uh, at different points uh, where they had different, uh, guys back there in the secondary. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, if, uh, we see some of that, uh, Iowa state look, uh, coming up this fall. Jay Bateman's like the neighbor you have, you've got a hammer, a couple screwdrivers, um, maybe some other stuff and Bateman rolls up with the brand ni- brand new nice toolbox with all the mess that you borrow. He, Bateman's got it all and he'll be able to deploy it. That's one thing um, like we've discussed here. He, he He's getting to the point where he can break out all the tools to use them on game day Saturdays. Let me take a second, talk about Johnny T-shirt, johnnytshirt.com. They are sponsors of this podcast and certainly great friends of Inside Carolina. Uh, we need to support them. I was in there yesterday, got me a couple stickers, got a big cooler um, that mm. we use, and we loaded up with stickers of where we've been and what we like. And so Johnny T-Shirt satisfied that goal. They also have mm. all the gear you could ever imagine. Tons of jerseys Oof. in there. Every school, uh, journalism school, every school at Carolina, you can imagine every team. Support them as we support them. They're, they're great. They're friendly, um, whether it's on Franklin Street or online. Same customer service you always get. And 10% off your everyday order if you're an Inside Carolina Premium subscriber. Take another break. Let the national guys pay the bills. You're listening to the day after the Spring Game Podcast with Buck and Jason. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. All right, boys, we're back. Day after podcast, InsideCarolina.com, Johnny T-shirt, Jason Staples, and Buck Sanders. Jason, let's get back to the offensive line question. Um, I thought the twos looked really good um, at times, but I want to talk about what you said earlier about this getting in shape because somebody on the message boards asked, what's the most important thing that Carolina needs to do in the offseason to prepare for next year? Is that it in your mind might be at least on offense on offense yeah i'd say that's it i mean the rest of stuff the the wide receiver situation is gonna is gonna sort itself out and as you get these guys healthy again you know they're they're gonna be fine i mean that's you know those guys will those guys will will be will be fine we've seen that josh downs is the truth you're going to, you know, Emery Simmons is, is a guy that you can win with Choffrey Brown. You know, those guys, those guys are going to be fine. And, you know, and obviously Corrales is, is, you know, is going to bring a lot to the table there. You know what you're getting in Sam Howell, the running back situation is just a matter of finding the two guys that you can ride with and, you know, hoping that they stay healthy. And, you know, it's, it's just a matter of like, does the talent, manifest right are, are those guys are those guys going to be able to, to to handle that business and you got enough of them that you know hopefully you get two out of them 
So then what do you, what do you really need to do in the off season? What really needs to be the different? It needs to be that those offensive linemen take this off season. This, this is a contract year for some of these guys and they need to treat it as a contract year. You, you know, they need to watch their, their diet. <laughs> they, they need to make sure that every, every uh, macro, every calorie, every whatever is, is counted and that they are, that they are really working their way through just getting a little bit quicker on, uh, uh, especially on that right side, but basically the, the, these huge offensive linemen that they have uh, in, in terms of Tucker and McKeith and in particular, Azudu needs to get healthy and he needs to also make sure that he doesn't put on any bad weight. Richards is, you know, I thought he took a step forward in terms of he, he looks a little heavier, but he needs to make sure that his body comp and everything is where it needs to be. And then, you know, as Anderson is healthy, then you got a five. You can you, you can go trot out there against anybody and you're fine. But if those guys don't take this offseason seriously, if they don't come in in fighting shape, then that's going to be a really talented group of guys that underachieves. And, you know, I thought they underachieved a little bit last year. But I think they're, I think you're looking at a significant underachievement this year. Uh, um, there's a much bigger gap between potential and what they would do if they don't come into come into uh, into the season in fighting shape. They need to have a really strong, you know, pre-fight preparation season this off season to be what the, what this offense needs to be. It's an interesting take with, with the way they've talked about. They've got eight, possibly nine guys that can play. Um, but I can certainly see it. And, you know, to Carolina's credit, they got great nutrition staff and great strength and conditioning staff, of course. Kelsey Gomes on the nutrition side and, and Hess on the strength and conditioning. But, Buck, I'll let you either counter that or give me another area on the offense that maybe you need to see the most improvement from. I think we've settled. The wide receivers will be fine. I think we can debate the running back room. Um, what sayeth you here? I think Jason's on point uh, with what he's talking about there. But one thing that really impressed me, and you've already alluded to it, Tommy, uh, they've got some guys on that second team. Uh, offensive line looked really good yesterday. Uh, Cade Baker. He's going to be a player, um, even, uh, and I don't know what Jason would say of, uh, about Diego pounds body comp, that's a big boy for no reason. <laughs> He's just big. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, you know, they've got some guys, uh, you know, on that, uh, second team offensive line that. You know, we, we've heard about William Barnes and, you know, we know that Ed Montellis who played with the ones yesterday, um, you know, is, is a player, a guy that can start for you and not hurt you. Uh, so that's kind of my take on the offensive line is they're building good, solid depth, um, that can, uh, take over when some of these other guys, uh, matriculate. So, uh, other than that. Uh, I don't really have anything major again. I think that, you know, they mixed and matched so much and so often yesterday that it's really tough to get a hard, uh, takeaway from watching the spring game. Um, you know, I, I thought that, uh, you know, we were talking about running backs. I think Caleb hood has got a chance to be a guy that can, can help them. Um, he was the guy know, that he, popped. He, me did yeah i mean they, they talked well, a lot I, about henderson, henderson henderson had a good game but in terms of uh potential uh for the fall um i'd be more likely to, to hang my hat uh over in caleb hood's corner um you know he's got some stuff to learn in ter terms of pass protection he's got some things to learn in terms of just uh knowing the offense and I think overall the running backs, uh, and you know, the commentators watching it uh, on ACCN, they alluded to this several times that the running backs show good patience in terms of following their blocks. 
So, uh, you know, that's something that is certainly going to help next year. The thing that scares you is hello, darling. Good to see you. <laughs> she disappeared again. Uh, the, uh, the thing that scares you is no real long runs from the running backs. And this was a first team offensive line minus Brian Anderson and, uh, easy. Um, but it was, you know, the first team offense going against the second team defense, Michael Carter and Javante would rip off 10 yard runs on the rig without even thinking about it. And they weren't getting that from those running backs yesterday. They weren't getting any long runs, you know, no runs over, you know, 10 yards and, and very few of those. Uh, the one thing that probably we need to talk about, um, that is of vital interest to Tommy Ashley is the backup quarterback situation. Um, <laughs> uh, well, you've got now, Caleb Greg jersey behind you. So I'll give you Caleb <laughs> hood and I've got a six Jersey up there, but I'm not sure. Go yeah. ahead. I'm sorry. I'm well, not a well, Jersey Greg, man. So I'm, I'm sitting here with no Jersey. He's like, I got my own. <laughs> Go ahead, Buck. Uh, well, Greg Barnes, who has watched, uh, four scrimmages, uh, counting yesterday. Um, he says that's the first time he's seen Drake may outplay Chris. Well, and I don't think there's not much argument about that. I thought may had a better day than Chris will did. And it's a little iffy um, because of some of the stuff going on around each one of them. I, I didn't think either one played that great. So to me, it's that there's a coin flip yesterday. Isn't it difficult to, to determine that though, given like, like Jason said, like we've talked about how they've mixed and matched the lines and who they were going against and all that. I mean, it is. With what was going it on, is. With what was going on around them and what they were asking each guy to do the grade, I, I'm, I'm willing to bet that the grades for those two guys would be surprising for, uh, for a lot of people who watched it. Well, I, I thought we ought to at least get that in and talk about it a little bit to give Tommy his fix, uh, for the spring game. <laughs> And uh, you could go on to your bold prediction. I've already heard it. I, I don't necessarily agree with it, but I've heard Tommy's bold prediction for uh, 2021. All right. Let me, let, me, let me ask one more question about this running back room. And I thought it was interesting that Max said it in the postgame presser um, that they've got to get it narrowed down to three guys that can practice um, and get the reps. And – Vip said it in his segment in Keenan afterwards is that it's a different, it seems to be a different guy every day. Um, you know, Ty Chandler's going to be one of them without question. Uh, I think Caleb Hood's the guy. I think Caleb Hood is Javante to Ty Chandler's Michael Carter. I, I just think I, I see that how that shakes out. But Josh Henderson, DJ Jones, and Elijah Green all are going to get plenty of opportunities the, the question is jason is do you have to get it down to three to be able to successfully um you know to successfully practice and, and get reps and that is going to be those difficult conversations i think mac brown talked about um, over the last couple of weeks after spring is is what's your role and what is your role as a running back and, and, and even as backup quarterbacks or whatever. So, so what are the challenges in that running back room for you, Jason, to, to get this team ready? Um, because like you said earlier, if you've got 11 or six, you don't have one. Um, Max going to get down to one or two. He's going to get down to one A and one B and then a two. Um, so how does that process work, Jason? I think we may have lost Jason. We may have. He's frozen. He's, he's frozen. And now we've got the but, uh, prom picture or the senior picture. Yeah. He, uh, sorry guys, there was something funky happening with my, my zoom there for a second, but, um, but yeah, I, I think you do need to get down to three. Uh, uh, and ideally, I mean, if you can find two that are the, that are the dudes, that's better. And the, the big, the big issue is that it, it is as much as anything, it's pass protection. And it's having and it's having a feel for 
making sure that that guy is going to be in the right spot every time. And that takes reps. You have to be able to trust those guys. And, I, you know, one of the one of the perks of having EJ Manuel as, a, as one of the commentators yesterday is the guy played NFL, played quarterback in the NFL. And when you when you've been a starting quarterback in the NFL, regardless of how good you were in the NFL, you had to you had to understand protections. You have to understand where pressure is coming from, all those things. And there were a couple of times where EJ called out like, oh, yeah, that, you know, that pressure, that running back's got to peel back this way. And there are a few times where he didn't call it out and say and say that. And I'm going mm, pressure there's on the back. And that's one of the things that was a luxury about Carter and, and Williams the last couple of years is, you know, people want to talk about how they ran and for good reason. Those guys ran like crazy. But they also were really good pass protectors. They were reliable. They were in the right spots over and over and over again. And neither one of them had a whole lot of regard for their physical safety (laughs) when they did this stuff. So you've got to get it down to the two or three guys that 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 you know you can trust not to get Sam Howell hurt. That's the first thing. That, that hit that uh, Javante laid in Wake Forest, uh, unbelievable. Yeah. He devastated that guy. Same and, thing Same thing against Boston College. Yeah, and to that point, yesterday, Chriswell gets killed twice mm-hmm. because the back didn't pick up the linebacker. Yeah, so you got to figure out who, first and foremost, it's not even about who's going to run the best. It's who's going to be reliable in picking that guy up. And that those running backs need to spend the whole offseason in the film room figuring out and, and, and repping on the field, figuring out, OK, you know, footwork to get to this blitz. Here's how this, you know, make sure that my eyes are in the right spot to understand where pressure is coming from. That's another thing they're going to have to really take care of. Uh, so you got to get it to the three. To me, yeah, you're going to have I, I think you're right. And, you know, uh, in terms of, of who the, you know, who the first guys are going to be, I am betting on hood to kind of find his way into the discussion as long as he can figure out who to block. Uh, you know, I, I do think, you know, you're looking at Josh Henderson is probably the second guy right now. Uh, so, you, you know, you've got, uh, you got 26, 23 and four as the three. If I was, if I was going off of yesterday, uh, or I'm sorry, 19, the, the kid from the kid from Tennessee, I'm, I'm, I'm missing his, uh, his, his um, Chandler. Yeah. Chandler. Chandler, Chandler, Henderson and hood are the three guys that I would be, if I was, if I was a coaching staff, I would be hoping that those are the three guys I can get to. And but, you know, Jason, uh, another point is that in a lot of Phil Longo's concepts, uh, he'll have like a, a corner, a snag, and a shoot, uh, swing pass out of the backfield. And, and those are kind of the three reads the quarterback, quarterback makes like right now. And if you can't catch the ball out of the backfield, that takes away one of your reads. So, um, you know, pass protection and the ability to, to execute some of the concepts that Phil Longo has built into his offense um, you know, he, he just, he's not going to want to rip out half his playbook by putting somebody out there that doesn't have good hands, you know, yeah. in the backfield. Yeah. And I, I do think the other, the other thing that, that was mentioned earlier, Tommy, you mentioned these guys did, you didn't see him bust off big runs and you can see why. And we've talked about this before on, uh, you know, on this podcast that the running back's job is to win the one-on-one with the unblocked guy. That's his job. Find the seam where you're supposed to be. So vision first to get to where you, where you have the space where to make sure that, you know, to help the guys in front of you to make sure that everybody's blocked first and foremost. And then your job is to, is to win the one-on-one. And what we saw this year and really the last two years is over and over again, Michael Carter and uh, Javante Williams they won that one-on-one 
well, I mean, what would you say? 75% of the time this last year, if they were one-on-one, they, they, they won that matchup. And not only would they get an extra five yards, uh, you know, frequently when they had that one-on-one, you know, so the guys they're one-on-one with the guy and it's like, okay, you can tack on five yards as a, a, you know, as an expectation. But there were a lot of times this last year where it was one-on-one and they'd tack on, you know, 17 or, or 45 after they got that one-on-one because they kept winning that matchup. And I think I saw the running backs uh, in the, in the spring, uh, in the spring scrimmage, they won the one-on-one maybe five times that I saw. Mm-hmm. That's why you're not getting long runs there is you're, you're you know, you've got, and there are a couple plays that just stick out in my head where it's like, Oh man, he's coming off. He's one-on-one with the safety here. If he, if he makes that safety miss, or if he breaks that tackle, that's a touchdown, but that, that safety kept winning. And we, that's the same thing we saw in the orange bowl is the yeah. safety comes up and you know, you got everybody blocked. You got a one-on-one head of steam, got a chance, make that guy. Oh. And you could see the backs a couple times, you know, clapping the football when they got up, like knowing that they had, you know, one guy and who's going to be the guy that's going to be able to step in and make that guy miss and add yardage. So those two things who can block and who can make the, the second level guy, miss or break that tackle and get extra yardage and you hope that those are the same guys <laughs> yeah it is you, you nailed it on the orange bowl and we mentioned it before those are those were touchdowns with the normal guys out there but that that's this bunch has got to figure it out i think this is the bunch we'll be talking about the most um you know buck to your point the backup quarterbacks uh, you know drake may look good um, we'll see where that goes. May's got to learn to set his feet. Yeah. And he had a couple throws, especially when he rolled that he kind of looked like how with the happy feet, sometimes throwing the ball downfield, um, at least early in Howell's career. Let's talk about bold predictions before we get out of here on the day after podcast. I'll go ahead and say mine. I'm going to set Josh Downs over under at 1250. I think he can go for 1500. I might take the over on that 1250. But what do you think? Because he's open every single time. And he was open a couple times that how a couple dimes, but a couple balls that would have been touchdowns with better throws. What do you think on over under 1250 on Josh Downs? I'm going under. Um, There was one guy uh, in college football last year that went over 1,200 yards uh, receiving, and that was – Devontae Smith won Heisman Trophy. So you're not talking about an easy thing to do. Uh, he had like something crazy, like 1,800 yards receiving. But the next best guy had about 1,198 or whatever. Um, there were a couple of those kinds of guys. I, I do think that um, Josh Downs it has a, obviously has a chance to go over 1,000 yards. I think Chaffee Brown's got a chance to go over a thousand yards. Uh, if you could get both of those guys close to that number, and then you can get something like, you know, 700 out of, uh, uh, Bo Corrales, what are we talking about with the wide receiver room? You know, uh, that that's not going to be an issue. So, um, yeah, I, I would say that 1250 taking over on that, um, uh, for, you know, still a young guy, very talented guy, and probably the number one threat in the UNC offense, but it's going to be hard to get over. I'm going with the over. All right. I'm going with the over. And the reason is last year, there were fewer, there were fewer games. They they still play 12. Deami Brown played 11 games last year and had, uh, had 10, 99, 99 yards a game. So 13 games and I think they're going to play, I think they're going to play, you know, they're at least going to play 13, I think. Right. So maybe 14, it's possible that they play 14. I don't think they'll play 15. (laughs) (laughs) I, I wouldn't bet on that, but 14 is definitely not out of the question. So I think with 13, I mean, with 13 games, Deami Brown gets to 1300. 
1350. And I think who was also a senior and very familiar with the offense. And sure. All that. Sure. I think sure. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I think they're, I think you're going to see real close to, I mean, I think that's a really good spot where you could take the over or the under and feel pretty good about it. But if he stays healthy, I think he's going to go over a hundred yards a game. 1500 though, Tommy, I think he could Come get on. there. I think he could get there. Okay, he's we'll he's going to have a co- at least two, 225, 250 games. 1500 is going to be tough. Just, but, and the thing, here's the interesting thing is how many, how many yards he has and how many touchdowns he has and all that is to some degree going to be contingent on how good the, the guys out outside are. Right. And the, 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 the sort of paradox of this is the better the guys outside are, the more yards you're going to see him have. Because otherwise, if teams feel like they can cover those guys on the outside more one-on-one, then they're going to, they're going to bracket him as much as possible to try to take him away. And so he's going to have less success. If you get a couple of those outside guys that, that start to start to dash teams and start to hurt them, then he's just going to run wild because teams aren't going to be able to double him. They're not going to be able to bracket it. And if that's the case, then you're looking at, you know, some silly games. I think he's going, I think Howell's going to throw for more simply because I don't think the running back is going to be near as good. Yeah. They're the going to be throwing more. To. So, Buck, give me one. I'll put you on the spot. Give me your bold prediction. You're muted. So you're canceled. I I, uh, I think I've already given mine, which is I, I think uh, Asante will be a first team All ACC linebacker. Uh, I think he'll make the first team. All right, Jason, give us one. Hmm. So in, how how um how uh how bold. Do I need to make this? Um, Look, I just said that a sophomore wide receiver is going to go for close to 1,500. That's pretty bold. That's pretty bold. And Asante, I guess Asante being all, you know, first team all ACC is pretty bold. Um, Let's say – I don't know that I have one that – that I want to go on record in terms of like this is a – this is a player prediction – um, All right, so we can go yeah, off record I, I think, and save it away from our listeners, but you're going to put it in an envelope <laughs> and seal it. Yeah, I mean, I, break it out. I, I mean, I, I do think Sam Howell is going to be in New York, but I don't think that's exactly a bold projection at this point. <laughs> so, so um, you know, I and and I do think you're probably you know if they stay healthy, they probably have two defensive backs wind up in you know first three teams of all ACC. So, I mean, maybe that's something, but, uh, but I think, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the things, a lot of the superiors on this team are known, uh, you know, the, the questions are, are, you know, the young guys, uh, on, on the defensive front and all that. So, you know, I'll, I'll say, how about this? I'll say, uh, Ritzy is getting 35 snaps, 40 snaps a game by, the three quarter mark of the season. That'll be a, that'll be a, 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 um, a prediction that I, I think I, I'm, I'm comfortable with. I think you're going to see him getting that kind of time by the end of the season. I think that's pretty weak. That's pretty weak. <laughs> weak prediction. Pretty weak. Jason's weak, weak prediction. prediction. Uh, I'm, I'm fine yeah. with that. What I'm about this? What about this? One of the young defensive guys is in first or second year make first or second ACC team is that possible Grimes might but I I think it's still I think that's still probably a year away um uh, but but I don't think one of the one of the really young guys that has not already played that that's I don't think that's realistic um by the way I did think that EJ Manuel's comparison of Rara to Telvin Smith was spot on you're talking about that kind of player at, at linebacker and that that's a guy who can how about this, Jason? 24 points a game over and under scoring defense. It's another one of those numbers that are. It's, That's it's, 29. It's 29 it's, last year. 29 last year. 29. And, and you a, said 24? 24. 24. I'll push it. I'm going to go over 
I'm going to go at 20. I, I would say about 25. And one of the reasons is I think that they're going to be throwing the football more. And so when you throw the football more, there's another possession or two in there. So they're going to be close to that much better defensively. But in terms of the raw output in scoring defense, it won't necessarily look on a per game basis that much better on a per on a per drive basis. I think that's around the level of, of improvement that you'll see, you know, it would be on exactly the same drives and, and, and schedule and everything as last year, like 22, 23 points a game, maybe with this year's defense, I think it's going to be that big of a difference. I mean, almost a touchdown different, but I think there's going to be other factors in play. And I'm also factoring in that they're probably going to make you know, or that they, I'm not going to say probably, but they've got a real good shot of making the ACC championship, which is also probably going to be a higher scoring game, which would probably tip that just a bit up. So look at their schedule. And I I'd say that's close to a push, but I'm going to go with the over. Fun times boys. Next time we talk, probably going to be our um, annual prediction podcast. Some point in mid to late August. Hard to, we should do something else during the summer, Tommy, for sure. Well, yeah, I got it. I'll tease that. And then anything else is gravy. We'll definitely get together. I think Max said he's coming back in a couple of weeks to, to meet with the media again, to discuss some things and to break down the off season. So we'll probably get back together then. But anyway, That'll, that's going to do it for this edition of the Day After Podcast, Carolina Spring Game Edition. Johnny T-Shirt sponsored. Buck Sanders, as always. Jason Staples, as always. And I'm just the guy um, trying to keep these dudes in line. I'll be your host, Tommy Ashley, for as long as they'll let me. As long as there's a, a backup quarterback, Tommy's going to be here. <laughs> oh, next year is going to be just unbelievable for me um, after Sam moves on. Anyway. As always, guys, appreciate it. Thanks, Tommy. Thanks, Tommy. Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by T-Shirt.com. Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase.